1: Hello, welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett in a Marcus Rashford t-shirt, Rob. uh, How are you today? That's uh, that's some excellent merch. Thank you
2: very much. Wearing the Stan Charles today, rocking this after Marcus's performances in recent weeks. I'm fine. We're recording really early today, so we're all a little bit bleary-eyed. So people are watching us and thinking... We're a bit sleepy. It is early in the morning. But, of course, getting up early to talk about Manchester United is never a chore.
1: Yes, indeed. We have a win to talk about again. uh, Man United have managed to bounce back from losing 6-3. It was 6-3, wasn't it? 6-3 to Manchester City a couple of weeks ago. And uh, with a win at Everton on Sunday night, we obviously we know that um, we record on Tuesdays and Fridays to let let everything lay a little bit, you know, take a breath. Not be too reactionary and just see how we feel. Uh, I'm feeling quite positive actually. Uh, we'll talk about that today and the positivity that's come out of that performance. A number of uh talking points Casemiro, Luke Shaw, David De Gea, Cristiano Ronaldo, CR700, uh, Anthony Martial's latest injury. Uh, and we'll talk about what that means for Man United and Eric Ten Hag as well for the next few weeks and possibly seasons ahead because I, I, I mean. You can't stick with that if he's getting injured all the mm. time. It's it's a real shame. It is a real shame. Anyway, uh, just do the plugs before we get started. Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. You can find us on all of those audio platforms. So subscribe and download our show. You can watch us on YouTube as well twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, so head over to the channel, hit the like button, join the community, subscribe, leave a comment, and... Yeah, get in touch on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and Mu for the show. Rob, I I had a mind I had a mind fart there. I forgot what I was saying. Uh, as you say, it is early in the morning, but uh, we do have uh, a win against Everton to talk about. And for me, I think for you as well, this might have been the most Ten Hag Eric Ten Hag performance that we've seen from Man United yet. I think. What do you think?
2: Yes, I kind of agree with that. I think what was good was that even though they went a goal down again, and again they kind of made a mistake for a goal, which is a bit boring, isn't it? It keeps happening like that. We, we let teams in the door rather than making them play their way in. It was really good just to see them stick together, dig in, play some really good football for most of the game. And even in the last 10 minutes when it was going south and Everton were doing what we expected, which was long balls into the box, trying to exploit those two centre backs who are not particularly good in the air together as a collective, and David De Gea. But thankfully, United rode the storm out. And and that's the whole thing here is that when you come out of these games, I don't think any of them are going to be perfect. Don't think we're going to get perfect performances. We are not Man City. We are not Man City. But I think in this kind of development side of this project, this is what we want to see. Victories with maybe things that you can carry on fixing and can, you know, week to week to week to week. I think Eric Ten Hag will feel really good about the performance and the victory because he's got stuff to work with there while still getting the three points.
1: Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know the exact stat. I am trying to recall this off the top of my head, but I think there was a, they'd only won, come back from behind to win two games mm. in recent history that they'd fallen behind in yeah whereas they'd they'd drawn something like two and lost something like 14 i think it was over the last season or couple of seasons yeah that character is gone or had gone and it was nice to obviously you don't want to see united fall behind as a united fan but it is nice to see that they didn't let it affect them this time Mm. and they shrugged it off did their own business got on with their own game and managed to turn it around. So that'll probably build some confidence for the players. Uh, The fact that they held on as well. Ahead of a difficult run of games. I don't know if you've seen the run of games that United have Mm. got coming up. I think it's uh, Newcastle and Spurs at home and then Chelsea away in the next few weeks. Very decent, stern tests for United. Uh, Teams are playing different ways. Uh, Teams who are in half-decent form as well. So it's going to be um, interesting to see how United cope. And they need a bit of confidence. And I think winning at Everton... Although they're not, you know, the strongest team in the league, it's still it's still a significant uh, thing for United because obviously they lost this game last season. It's generally a difficult place to go, and they should take some confidence from that.
2: Yeah, totally. I thought the matchup was good for United going to Goodison Park. You know, I I think this Everton team is probably the best Everton team of the last couple of years. You know, just in terms of their own harmony, their own work, their own defensive qualities. Um, over this season, they've been, I think, the best defensive team in the league. Is that right? I think they're they're right up there in the top five in terms of like goals conceded. So United had to go there and actually do their work. They weren't going to get anything for free. And and the game kind of worked in phases, didn't it? Because I think for the first half an hour, or the Martial minutes, as I've called them, 35 minutes before he disappeared, that was the best of Team United press for quite a long time, for weeks and weeks, playing high up the pitch, aggressive in the final third without the ball. And, of course, that did change when Cristiano came on because you can't play Cristiano in that formation, those tactics. So you had to kind of switch things around, go back more to... It was kind of like a 4-1-4-1 4-1 at times. You know, it seems to be something that teams are now favouring with, like, centre-backs and the defensive midfielder and pushing everyone high up the pitch. It's become a, a a kind of... don't want to say a fashion, but this is what's happening in football now. You're seeing this kind of overloading the forward positions. And I think that actually helps Cristiano. It helps Cristiano to have players around him. So um, I think Ten Hag would have seen, again, parts of that game, first half an hour, maybe the next half an hour, and then the final 20 minutes or so, a different version of Man United each time. And I think he'll be quite happy with all of them. I think he'll go away and say, actually, those things worked on the day and we scored goals. And if we don't give away a silly goal right at the beginning because of Casemiro losing the ball you get a clean sheet as well. So lots of things I think he can go back to the training ground on and uh, and work with the boys. Yeah, you mentioned
1: Ronaldo there. I did have him later in the running order, but I think um, I actually was quite impressed with how he applied himself. Um, yeah, I mean, I noticed a good few times where he was stepping back in to make a tackle from behind the midfielder in possession, yep. which we don't always see. You know, I think he he really looked like he was applying himself. And I mean, mean, obviously, scored his 700th club goal, which is an amazing feat. Uh, I know that we uh, have made our stance clear on Ronaldo on this show Mm -hmm. uh, between us. But, you know, he is still one of the greatest players of all time. Perhaps the greatest goal scorer that football has seen. And, you know, it was... A throwback to old Ronaldo, wasn't it? Albeit, albeit a little bit slower. I think if Connor Cody wasn't... Uh, if there was a def- uh, faster defender than Conor Cody, maybe that goal wouldn't have come about. But Ronaldo, predatory. Uh, nice little link-up with uh, Casemiro from the old Real Madrid days. And it is an amazing achievement, isn't it? It is an amazing achievement. And I think the things with
2: Cristiano, it's good to kind of spell these things out, especially when he scored a goal or he's had a good moment for United, is that it, we're not anti-Cristiano. It's about, can Cristiano service the team? Can Cristiano do stuff for you? Excuse me. And I think the thing is with Cristiano is that uh, in the kind of week-to-week melee of games and fixtures and whatnot, United need to manage his minutes for his sake, because then you get a better version of Cristiano, because he's fitter, he's fresher. And I think this is what we've seen the start of the season. He's not played a lot of minutes played Europa League, now he's played in this game. No doubt if Martial is injured moving forward, I think Cristiano will get more minutes. But I think if you use Cristiano once or twice a week and we use him week to week to week, you're going to lose him, aren't you? You're going to find that in two, three, four weeks' time, the body just starts to slow down. He won't be able to press. He won't be able to move in certain areas. And like you said there, there's definitely a willing there under Ten Hag to go and do a bit of extra work. I think there is. I think we saw that at the start of the season and we're seeing it now. So, Kind of happy with that. He gets his goal. United win. The other thing, United counter-pressed really well in the game. And I think if you counter-press well from midfield, that helps Cristiano. Because it's one pass, two pass in goal. And that's why he scored this goal. Casemiro wins the ball back. Casemiro feeds him in. One, two, running a straight line. And I was just thinking, shoot. That's all I want you to do, Cristiano. Don't be clever. Don't go around the goalkeeper. Just shoot. Make it difficult for Pickford. That's exactly what he did. Uh, I, I don't... Yeah, there has been that. People saying, oh, you know, would, would he have got caught? I don't think it would have. He's still fast enough and he still could have got a shot off. But he, he did all the right stuff. And I think that now moving forward for Ten Hag, he's got to find a way to keep Cristiano fresh. Because if he's your primary striker, your number one, because there's other injuries, I don't think that's going to work. That's going to hurt Cristiano, who will end up being fatigued a lot quicker than what we remember maybe in the last five
1: or ten years. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how he plays it over the next few weeks. We don't know the severity of Anthony Martial's injury yet, but Mm. Eric Ten Hag did say that it was not a recurrence of the injury he's just recovered from. So is that a good or a bad thing? You don't know. Uh, Seemed to pull up with an injury in the warm-up, and I think that's what ended up uh, making him come off after about 27 minutes, I think it was. But Yeah. uh, Yeah, I mean, just back to Ronaldo for a second. CR 700... uh, an image of the Man United squad, surfacing on Monday on social media with balloons of uh, 700. Rob, how did that? How did you feel about that?
2: Oh, I felt great about that, Scott. I said before the show, I thought it was fantastic. No, the opposite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got to remember unity, where- Rob. They're, with, they're
1: to- yeah. t- it's th- togetherness.
2: Yeah, to- togetherness and like, let's get our social media posting. So I think it had something more to do with Man United's outward media presence of what they wanted to show CR 700 is their kind of catchphrase it's now being used everywhere well done Cristiano but I think the other side of this is for me is that as a fan now I just want to see these boys get on with the work get on with the work don't be waylaid by anything these little kind of achievements now someone might say well 700 is not a minor achievement Rob and it isn't personally for the player. You know, Like I think Cristiano has every right to feel brilliant about that. 700 club goals in his career is something that when when I saw him as a boy at 17, 18, I never thought that guy's going to score 700 goals. That's like mad. You know, if he could score seven goals that season, that would have been a good thing for him at that point. So he's earned that and that's going to be part of his legacy. Uh, I don't think it should be part of the current conversation for Man United. You know, like you have to take this game to game to game and you can't allow one person in your team to, you know, be this eclipse of all the work that you're doing. He cannot be that person. It's got to be a togetherness that's more holistic and more natural. So I saw that pitch and I kind of thought balloons. What in the in the dressing room? Like, no, thanks. Like, come on. You've not won anything until you've won some silverware. Then you get your balloons and your champagne and your pats on the back. Goal records are okay, but I think they're a little bit modern football. We talk about those things a lot, now, don't we? Records, individuals. How many Ballon d'Ors have you got, mate? I'm just not interested. I don't care. I'm more about the trophies that Man United win. So uh, I I think that that can be a um, a distraction for the team uh, and it's kind of false togetherness, I think.
1: Yeah, we touching on uh, Ronaldo, I, I can't remember what word he used there, Rob, but so, somewhat overshadowing, always being the point of conversation, always being the topic of conversation mm. regardless of whether he plays or not. Now, We reported on 90min.com the other day, you can go check it out on the site now, that it's a point of frustration for Eriton Hogg because he is ultimately trying to make the team improve and if there is a player who's always attracting attention, like you take the example of after Man City, Ronaldo didn't play all of the fallout was after United had conceded six goals at Man City. Why didn't you bring Ronaldo on? You know, and all of this kind of focus. Uh, it, it does seem like in 2023, at some point, Ronaldo will leave the club, whether that's in January or whether that's at the end of his contract. He does have an option to extend the club to, but I, you can't really see it being triggered. Probably is a natural end appearing uh, for Ronaldo's club career um, at Man United, but, you know, it is a great achievement for him. And United do need to move on regardless because I think Anthony Martial's injury as well. Mm-hmm. I was quite excited for seeing Anthony Martial come back because I know that like, he has a lot of tools. He has a lot to prove. Uh He really can fit into this Eric Ten Hag style. We saw it in preseason. Mm-hmm. I, I know preseason isn't really a measure, but there was suggestions there that he would be the first choice go-to striker. We've seen him in half a game against Liverpool getting an assist from Marcus Rashford. We've seen him in 30 minutes against Everton getting an assist for Anthony. And it's such a shame to see that he's injured again. And not, hopefully it's not a serious one. Hopefully he doesn't miss too much time, but it's just proof that the United need a striker. You, yeah, you'd need it anyway, whether
2: Martial's playing well or not, if Martial's in the team or not, you do need to strengthen that position. I think the thing is with Martial and his injuries... Uh, he he was quite explicit in his comments uh, towards the end of his Sevilla time because he was saying, I want to go back to Manchester United at the end of that loan. And people were like, well, you know, do United want you back? You know, where do you stand? And he made it quite clear that he believed that his form had dipped over the last year or two because he'd played with injuries. Well, that's not new. Managers ask players to play with injuries all the time, but you have to be able to manage it, don't you? So we talked about Cristiano's potential fatiguing because of his age. That's something you have to manage. And I think this is going to be the case with with, with Anti Martial because if he's your bona fide starting number nine, he's probably going to carry knocks. And then the question is, can he play with those knocks? So he started the game. We'd all believe that it was a hip flexor injury that he picked up in the warm-up. Um, that's a classic injury that you get from managing other parts of your body because you're running differently and you're moving differently because you're protecting hamstrings and knees and ankles and that kind of thing so he got that injury and ten Hag has to look at this now pragmatically and say right how can i make my team not suffer when martial picks up knocks how do i manage him does he play from the bench do i just play him 60 minutes and then play rashford through the middle or something like that these are all bigger questions i think to to be answered i think the ultimate answer here scott is that when the january transfer window comes around you need to go and buy a striker. You just need it just for numbers to be able to do the job. Uh, and then hopefully along the line, Martial's health improves. He's you know, He gets stronger and fitter. He can start playing 90 minutes more. You've got to think, last two or three years, he's not really done this role a lot, has he? Like being a starter and putting all those minutes into his body. I think he's suffering because of that. But you've got to find a way. If you don't find a way, you've just got to move on.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, Shame. Hopefully, Martial is not too... The injury is not too serious and he'll be back pretty soon because we all, as United fans, want to see that link up and we want to see him get his chance in that position Uh, Mm injury-free. Let's talk positives anyway because when I say positives, Casemiro didn't start off too well giving the ball away in the first five minutes which led to an Everton goal. But he did turn around and get player of the match. And... I was really impressed with how he played. Uh, I think that... Um, I, I'll say this about the performance. There were some glaring errors from him, Dallo, particularly. Some awful passes across the pitch. Dallo, oh my God. Yeah, uh, there were some really poor passes across the pitch. Um, balls given away cheaply and ultimately that is what led to Alex Iwobi's early goal. That was Casemiro's fault. But I yeah. think, you know... Ultimately, Casemiro, I think that might have been, must have just been a slap in the face to say, Hey, I've got to buck up my ideas here. This league's quite quick. They're going to pressure me and pressure me like this. I've got to try and find a different way of coping here. Yeah. And I feel like he actually managed to
2: do that. Yeah. Well, this ain't La Liga, mate. You're not going to get time on the ball in midfield. It's just as simple as that. I think that was a kind of welcome to the Premier League moment for Casemiro because it wasn't the worst mistake in the world, was it? It was kind of near the halfway line. But in the Premier League, if you get if you get robbed of the ball in that part of the pitch within 20 seconds or 15 seconds, there's going to be a shot on goal. That's just the world of English football. And players have to adjust to that. It's really important for midfielders to 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 get their heads around that concept. It doesn't happen in other leagues like that. Just transition is not as fast as that. Um,
0: But.
2: He was man of the match, like you said, and I think deservedly so. And I think it was like an unravelling, slow unravelling in the game where you saw Casemiro just start to work it out a little bit. You know, it's like, if I plonk myself here, I can help them there. And do you know what? When they've got the ball there, I'm going to get myself in this role and try and help in this position. And what you saw is that this is a kind of modern number six, someone who's not just going to be a defensive midfielder, not your next Nemanja Matic, but someone who can play that ball out from the back accurately. And of course, he got his assist, didn't he, for Cristiano? Because the counter press is there. He robs the ball back himself, and he gets them going within two seconds up the other end of the pitch. Uh, it felt like a Real Madrid goal. Watching it, I was like,
3: "Yeah, I've did, definitely,
2: yeah. I've definitely reported on that goal before, where Casemiro's robbed the ball in a white shirt at the Bernabeu and played that straight ball through the channel, and Ronaldo's taken one, two touches in and shot and goal." So you can replicate that, can't you, in the weeks ahead? And I think that's a, it's a good thing to see that they can replicate it right now. But overall, you know, you know my feelings on this, and I've said it repeatedly. You're paying a lot of money for Casemiro. You've got to find a way now for him to be the regular de facto starter in the middle of the midfield. He has to be that person. You cannot pay someone three, 350 grand a week and sit them on your bench and say, do 20 minutes here and there. No, he has to start. So you've got to find ways now. And I think for for Ten Hag, he's he's also talked about it explicitly and said, yeah, this guy's going to be one of my starters. You know, we, this is the Casemiro moment. You know, we're here now. Let's see more of it. And I think he's going to be the guy that helps United win. Like, I really do. Like, if you get it right with Casemiro, you're fixing so many of your issues in midfield. I do want to talk about Delow there, though. Because there was a lot of talk about DeLo before the game. This is the positive section. So this is the positive <laughs> section. So let, let let's let's just let's just let's, let's balance it out. Casemiro really good. DeLo, awful. Like in tennis, when I used to report on Wimbledon, we used to look at unforced error counts because that's basically it. If you have unforced errors, you lose. Very, very lucky Man United didn't lose this game because of Deleuze. His unforced errors were horrific. Like, he gave the ball away so many times. And all the talk before was, is he going to go to Barcelona? You know, he's the best fullback in the league. And I just don't get it. Like, I think he's got a lot to prove still. Like, if he wants a new contract, you can't be doing what he did the other day because you just have to go and buy someone else if you're that bad. And people are like, oh, you're going to say that Wambasaka should start. I'm not going to say that, but if Delo can't pass the ball and that's what he's there for, then you've got to try someone else, haven't you? you know, I'm not even against Malassia having a go on the right-hand side. Uh, but on the flip side, I know we won't talk about him, but Luke Shaw on the left, I think gave United some really good balance, lots of progression, um, up and down the pitch, looked like Luke Shaw from two years ago. I nearly got my shaw Berto cup out to uh, to have today because of the performance. And I think he was very close to being a man in the match as well, but I think Casemiro yeah, edged yeah. it.
1: Yeah, um, Luke Shaw posted on Instagram afterwards. Good to have the hair back. Three points, and Rob-, Rob pointed out before we started recording today that Luke Shaw, when he's when he's got a tidy haircut, when he's brushed his hair, he looks a hell of a player. <laughs> when he's when he's come in all scraggy and he's got his hair all messed up, he hasn't had time to do it. It, it- kind of reflects in his performance. It's it's a,
2: like some weird metaphor, isn't it? It's strange. It's like, you do see a difference in his performance. I don't get it. You know, like when he, when he has got his hair on and he and he looks like he's done his button up and he looks trim and he looks ready. You know, you're going to get a different Luke Shaw. The other week when he came on as a sub, he, he, he looked like he'd got him from a, a real late night at the pub. You know, kind of like 12 o'clock shadow and a little bit like, oh, I'm an old man. No, Luke, come on, just brush your hair and everything will be all right. So he looked smart. His performance was smart. And that was the first time I think I'd seen Luke Shaw and thought, that's the Luke Shaw from two years ago. He was the best fullback in the league. He was the best fullback in the league that year uh, and potentially the best fullback in Europe and took England, helped them to get to European final, which is like no mean feat and scored a goal in that final. So if we get that Luke Shaw this year, and he can play Ten Hag's system. And he showed in this game that he can. He can counter-press. He can overlap. He can get quality into the box. He can be a ball progressor. Last year, the year before, he was main like's number one ball progressor in the team. Yeah, and that's when you had other players like Paul Pogba in and out and around that you still were getting much better ball progression from your left back. If we can repeat that, United are on to winner.
1: Yeah, I think Luke Shaw is... Uh, if, if there's anything we've learned about Luke Shaw over the last few years, it's that... Uh... When his place is guaranteed, he needs that he needs that push. And I think it does. uh Terrell Malassia, who's come in, played well, but obviously there's been points where, like the last couple of games, last couple of appearances, he's not mm. had the best time. He's a young player, adjusting to the league. That's that's to be expected. <laughs> Luke Shaw's had a kick up the backside. Hey, yeah. you've lost your place. Yeah. This guy's gonna come in and take your place. Yeah. You've got to work harder to get back into this team.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And we saw it in his performance as well. Anthony Gordon, I don't know what you think of Anthony Gordon, Rob, but you know, I think 50 million is all the talk of the 50 million moved to Chelsea and wherever it was. I think that's generous. Uh, let's just say that. Indeed. But, sure, absolutely bodied. Uh, I used the word bodied several times. Bodied Anthony Gordon more than yeah. once. And yeah. really showed him who was boss on that day. And there was a moment as well where... I can't remember whether he lost the ball or not, but the ball was coming down his side and he was tracked further forward. He sprinted backwards and made a tackle. That's that's a different attitude that I'm seeing in Luke Shaw.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other side of it is that physicality-wise, and it's not talked about a lot with Luke Shaw, he's a physically strong body. So when you're in there at set pieces, when the ball is going behind the defence he can get to that back post and sort out a for, uh, someone raiding around him. Now, I'm not saying Malaysia can't do that, but that's the hardest thing, I think, to learn, is when you're learning the tactics of the Premier League, that you, you maintain your physicality. And I think with Malassia, that's been part of the issue, is that he's been so focused on doing the, the defensive work at left-back and kind of integrating with around his teammates that you've not seen any of the added value yet, have you, like, going forward. Whereas Luke Shaw, you just saw, was like, I know this script – I've read it a million times. I know my job. I'm going to get on with my job today. And again, I said this two years ago when, when when Teles was kind of a potential replacement. I said, when Luke Shaw sees that he's got competition, Luke Shaw says, I need to be the best version of me. I need to do what I do well and then see if someone can take me out of the team. Now, if Luke Shaw plays like that every week, Malassia isn't playing. It's as simple as that. Luke Shaw will be one of the first names on that team sheet. And if Luke Shaw can get a partnership going with Martinez inside and that becomes a thing for Man United, massively positive. You play out from the back, the ball progression comes from the part of the pitch that you need to progress the ball from, and you can start scoring goals and freeing your attackers to move forward. You're not, you're not just stuck in a rut in the back four with the ball. So really, really good performance by Luke. I think again, he needs to prove it. I think going on international duty for two weeks for him was perfect because mm. he got he got all the training in his veins. He went, he played two games. He got 90 minutes in those matches. He's got a manager bigging him up saying, right, you're going to play for me. And he's come back to United absolutely with a fresh attitude.
1: Yeah, uh, good to see some positives to talk about today. Isn't Lots quite of them. Nice. I, I, I love Lisandro Martinez. He's not in. He's not in my notes, but I just it's another performance where I just I look at him and I look at the way he plays and the way he enters duels, and I just think you've set. You made. He's made such a difference.
2: Okay. This, this is why. This is why I'm so high on the signing because it's not just about stuff that he does. It's him. Actually, him. You know, it's his attitude to the game, isn't it? And I think that's infectious. I think if you've got someone like a, you know, we call him a Rolls Royce, don't we, with Varane? But, you know, Varane and Martinez are your are your partnership at the back long term, or say at least for the next 12, 24 months and beyond, you're going to be all right. I think you're going to be all right. You've got two players there that complement each other. And I I think Martinez potential captain one day. Like, I really do. I think he's that kind of guy potential guy on a t-shirt one day because he's, he's going to be that kind of cult figure I think that United fans gravitate towards
1: yes uh let's move on to another positive in David De Gea's performance he actually spoke to I think he spoke to BT Sport after mm. the game uh about his future and his contract uh for one we'll get to the, con- the comments in a bit for one he came off his line more than once I believe I and I've conditioned myself to to watch Man United now and see that ball in behind mm. and just think, oh God, here we go. And then he, out of nowhere, comes David De Gea to kick the ball into touch into or out of play. He's he's trying. And I think that he was under aerial bombardment, to be fair, in the final 15, 20 minutes from Everton mm. as well. Managed to deal with that quite well, made a couple of nice saves, um, looked authoritative, looked like, a confident De Gea, what did you make of how he played? And you know, do you think that there's any coming back for him in Ten Hogg's eyes and Ten Hogg's system because he's out of contract in a year?
2: Honestly, no, I don't think there's any coming back because I think that you have to get that 350 grand a week that he earns off your wage bill. That's part of the wider financial rebuilding of Manchester United. Um, David De Gea is not giving you value at that price range. You can go and get a goalkeeper probably for half the price that actually does all the stuff you want him to do. But you're right. I thought he played well. You know, we don't expect him to be Edison. But I also don't believe that David De Gea is the worst goalkeeper in the world with the ball at his feet. It just depends what you're asking him to do. We saw at the start of the season, uh, and I was very kind of eagle-eyed at Old Trafford looking at this, that he was starting on the edge of his box a lot more which is something he doesn't like to do. He likes to kind of be stood on the penalty spot or, or even further back. He, he, you know, he, We know he's a goal line goalkeeper. And it reminded me of what Ralph Raniuk was asking him to do last year. Ralph Raniuk was saying, I need you to kind of sweep behind. And he did it for about three weeks, four weeks, and then just stopped doing it. And the whole team stopped doing it, to be fair. It wasn't just David De Gea. It was like United going, no, we're not doing this counter press thing. We're not just not doing it. Now you've got a manager that says you are doing it. So what can David De Gea do? You can either do it and do it as well as you can, or you don't do it. And Martin Dubravka is number one. So I think that's where we stand with chance.
1: it. <laughs> not even getting Europa League games. No,
2: Martin Dubravka is not going to play games like at all. <laughs> like He's here on a holiday in Manchester, probably in a mansion in Cheshire somewhere. You know, Welcome to your extended stay here, getting paid a lot of money to just sit on the bench. But of course, you've got him for emergencies. But De is going to play. And it is a year where he has to earn it. You know, like if he wants a contract, there is a chance that he re-signs on a smaller wage. Like United could say that to him. United could say, do you know what? We do want to keep you. And if you are happy here, great, but we're not going to pay you three hundred fifty grand a week. Cause that money needs to be redistributed through the squad. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give you 200 grand a week. Now that sounds like a massive pay dip, but then it's on the player. If you want to stay, you take the pay drop. Look, Barcelona have been doing this for weeks telling their players, Frankie De Jong, we love you, Frankie, but we don't want to pay you. I think United can actually do a little bit of this when people are out of contract. If you really want them, you pay them. But if you want to just keep them and just like, you know, fight for your place, but we don't want to pay you 350 grand a week, then there's a different conversation to be had. So I don't think De Gea has got the skill sets to do what Ten Hag wants in the long, long term. I still do believe that David De Gea is a good goalkeeper think people will want David De Gea and if he goes onto the open market he'll get snapped up and he'll probably get that wage at another big club elsewhere
1: he said in response to the question about his contract I don't know I'm I'm just focused on the games and helping the team as much as I can of course I would like to be here for many more years uh, so let's see what happens in the future but I'm really really happy Uh, yeah he's
2: definitely playing the charm offensive and he has been for a while and the the people around David De Gea when they speak to the media and speak to us have been putting this message out. The player wants to stay. And it's okay, like, okay. The player wants to stay because you know he's on a lot of money and it's a nice lifestyle. But do Man United want him to stay? I think this kind of is the Paul Pogba question again because Paul Pogba did the same. I want to stay. That was put out quite explicitly through intermediates. But when it came to paying him, Man United didn't want to do that. So he left. And that kind of where it came. And he even did take a pay dip. To go to Juventus in the end, he took a, you know, they took a few zeros off that check mm-hmm. to make that deal happen. Um, and I think David Haye is in that situation as well. I think David will want paying, but I think there might be a compromise there. You know, you might want to keep him and bring in a young goalkeeper next year who is a sweeper keeper who is a bit more like Edison, and then you have two primary goalkeepers that you can maybe move in and out and give David De Gea a two-year or three-year extension to two fifty a week, and then the numbers start to make sense a little bit more, Scott.
1: We I actually spoke about Diogo Costa from Porto the other week, saved a penalty yeah. in the Champions League. And I think it was like the show or like a couple of days after the show that united it emerged that United actually sent Scouts to watch him. So hopefully they were listening. They'll be watching uh. <laughs> for a while. it's not it's not new. like like they, he he is absolutely
2: a target for Man united. United needs to decide if that's the way they want to go direction wise. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Like these things they they're not huge leaps of imagination. You need to upgrade the skill set at at goalkeeper but still have a goalkeeper that's viable, that can save you and help you and do all those things. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a really good goalkeeper. And I think that he'll be one of a number on the list.
1: Yes, Rob. Uh, I mean, that's it for my notes, actually. United play uh, Ammonia in the Europa League on Thursday night wonderful i uh, can't wait for that one uh... more europa league more <laughs> europa league than you can shake a stick at because it's like come stick and
2: fast and you've got all these games see i'm so focused on the premier league in my head i'm always like oh like in the middle you've got europa league you know how much is, does it matter well it does matter to some fans and to maybe the management of united but i'm a bit like yeah oh and You know, he's playing strongest teams in there, isn't he? He's not actually doing any kind of rotation. So it doesn't help your players get rest
1: uh, having these Thursday night games. Yeah, the United play ammonia on Thursday, then Newcastle on Sunday, then Spurs, I think midweek next week in the Premier League and then Chelsea away, which is a it's a big run coming up. So maybe he will use this ammonia game as a yeah. chance to to rotate a little bit because there's some important games coming up there. Yeah,
2: the pre-World Cup schedule for United is tough. It was always tough on paper. Even When you read it at the start before the season, when it was published, it was like, that's a tough run before players. And, and you got to remember now, players' mindsets. So we are now in October, November, December. There will be some players who get to December will be like, got to stay fit for the World Cup now. That becomes a thing, so I think that you need to rotate, keep people fresh, because you don't know what's going to happen when those games come thick and fast, and they're tough matches. You know, you're going to have to be good in those games, otherwise you will drop points. Any final thoughts, Rob, for today? Because uh, you're yeah. overly positive. Show. I, know. I know. Look, look, look we Weird. want to be positive, like don't we? Like, I, I know negativity sells in the media and our in our roles, and what happens in uh, on Twitter and social media and whatnot. But we want to talk positively about this team. We want to see good things. And I think the Everton performance was undeniably more positive than negatives. You can see the bad goal at the start of the game, but then you show character. And as I said, I think, again, on Twitter, I said at the end, the last 10 minutes were actually the 10 minutes I was most pleased with because they were under fire and they stuck together. And that's where your Martinez's rise to the surface. It's about leadership. It's about fight at that moment, isn't it? Because otherwise, you do concede a goal. We haven't talked about Marcus Rashford today. And I think Rashford's form, he got a lot of flack the last few weeks. Again, even though he's player of the month for the Premier League. I think we're finding a Marcus Rashford that can be useful to Manchester United again, both off the left and through the middle. Uh, he was very unlucky with that handball goal. Like, you know, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But it's good to see Marcus making those runs because if he is... That's going to help Manchester United.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods. We'll talk about Marcus Rashford maybe on Friday in the lead up to the game against Newcastle, which will be tough. it be a tough one. Newcastle are in good form at the moment. You can subscribe wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and watch us on YouTube twice a week as well on Tuesdays and Friday. So head over to the channel, hit like, subscribe join the community, leave a comment as well. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on one of those audio platforms. Follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B. and at Promise and MU for the show. Rob, thank you very much again. Uh, we'll catch you very soon in the lead up to the Newcastle game and just after United play Ammonia in the Europa League. Thanks very much for listening. See you soon.